Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, this is episode 48, creeping up on 50. And if it sounds a little bit different audio, that's because this is a first of its kind. I've I've uh, recorded podcasts while hunt while out on a hunt. Um, if you remember back to oh I don't know what episode that would be maybe eight or nine is my guess but I'm probably way off with uh, Duggar Jeremy Duggar. But we were in New Mexico and we were bouncing down a bumpy dirt road in the truck. <laughs> And I, I didn't even, you know, at the time I was like, oh, it's fine. We'll be in the truck. You won't. And man, you can hear in that episode, you can hear right up to the point where we hit the pavement finally and it, you know, it smooths out a little bit because that, that we were rocking and shaking back and forth in that truck as Duggar was driving. And But anyway, this is uh, one of a kind because this is at Antelope Camp in Nevada. I got uh, Corey here. Hey, guys. Hi, Corey. Thanks. Thanks for joining me on this hunt. Um, we were just joking before we hit record about why you have <laughs> people are people are probably starting to wonder. Man, Corey is on everybody's hunt and his own too <laughs> this year. Uh, he must have a lot of time off work, and and the fact is that you do have a lot of time off work. Um, All the time off work. Do, do you want to? Um, I, it's none of my business, so I'll let you talk about how much time you have off work if you want. But I, uh, just got married into June, um, and just recently got, uh, got let go from my previous employer. So right now I am in between jobs on hunts. So, you know, uh, it's been a, it's been a good little run so far since the rubies and been home twice for a day and a half, both times. I know I just said it's none of my business and I shouldn't talk about it, but I, it's just such a, you know, and I, and I'm not going to point fingers and I'm not going to name names and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I feel like I have a little bit more insight to your situation because I worked there. Um, I know exactly what was going on. Um, and, and so I, it's, it's, I think it's fair. It's fair to you for me to let people know that, you know, it's not like Corey just got fired, like for, you know, poor performance. It, it, it has nothing to do with my integrity. I think that's all I, I am who I am. I got, I put my, well, I was, I put myself in a situation that I could have avoided. And nowadays, and nowadays situations, quote unquote situations, you know, and, and, and I think this is important because it has, it has nothing to do with hunting, but more with life, you know, you just have to be careful nowadays because situations, right? Like that word, like in a situation and 
you know, it, it can happen so easy. Corey didn't like, it wasn't like a, a sexual harassment or anything like that, but you know, you, you can, without knowing it, that, that I think is the interesting part about this story is like, without knowing it, you can put yourself, you can end up in a situation, uh, a lot easier nowadays than say, you know, 20 years ago, I'm sure. So, yeah, well, it's a different world. Um, you know, prior to the, this happened prior to the hunt and I had just gotten married and I honestly think the whole scenario has kind of brought me closer to my wife who I've been dating for five years and been married to for almost two months now. Well, it's and had to she, because you're relying on her completely now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> no, you'll, you never love anyone more than when they're funding your uh, hunting. <laughs> just kidding. No, I've been, I've been out looking for some jobs, but she knows, uh, I want, I want to do something, you know, my old job, I really, really enjoyed, um, as a whole. And she wants me to have that again. Um, and that, that's what I want. And she's, uh, she's been great through the whole situation and she understands that, you know, I'm probably never going to have an opportunity in life again, just to bum through a hunting season. And we're in a position where we live cheap and we can kind of do that. And it's, it, uh, she's, she's been awesome. So. I, uh, the, the last thing that I'll say is that if I had a company, I would hire you in a heartbeat. Like it's a, it, Corey's a no brainer. It's uh you know, it's ironically, it's kind of the same reason that we're hunting partners. I feel like, you know, it's just that, that type of person that, um, you know, you would trust to work at your business or whatever. So anyway, fun, fun stuff. And yeah, it's been nice. Um, Corey's been on every single hunt, uh, and, and, not that he's been on every single hunt because he's been on other hunts in other years, but it usually comes at the expense of his hunts. This year, I don't even feel bad because <laughs> he's mixing in his own hunts in between when Jason and I are back at work. And so, you know, he's he's already tipped over a deer in Utah and he's going to go back to Nevada and chase deer um, on that archery tag. And he's all, but he's also been here on my antelope hunt and he was... He was there, you know, the first trip into Nevada. And so I don't even feel bad uh, this year because you're, you know, you got getting the best it. of both worlds. Getting, getting it. So anyway, um, yeah, so here we are, um, Antelope Camp. We are tagged out, which is a nice feeling. Uh, antelope loaded up in the coolers, which is a nice feeling when it's this hot. What is your, what was your perspective coming into antelope hunting and then versus after two days of the rat race of chasing antelope around. <laughs> well i've never uh chased as a key word there we say chase chasing and catching a lot but we stock deer you chase antelope because <laughs> those boogers are always on the run and i didn't I kind of knew what to expect. I knew we'd, you know, we'd have a base camp at the truck, which is awesome because the food, you know, we kind of suck at truck camping, though. The food isn't, uh, we could do probably a little bit better job food-wise, but it, uh, I knew it'd be a little bit of bumming around on roads, glassing and finding antelope and saying, hey, is this big enough, this big enough? I thought it'd be a little bit more like a prairie dog hunt. <laughs> <laughs> just because my whole perspective on antelope is driving across Wyoming back and forth from Iowa to Utah. Yeah, I was going to say. So they just seem like they're everywhere. Yeah. And Antelope, uh, Wyoming guys, you know, are always, oh, antelope hunting. Like, they're almost sick of it. I'm like, come to Nevada. 
and try to find a good antelope right. and, you know, put a, put a stock on him. Like you'll have a whole new perspective out here. I, uh, we had this conversation a little bit, but like animal behavior pay, plays such a big part in what we do elk hunting and deer hunting. And I know when he's going to get up and when he's going to bed and that he's not going to bed there very long and that a bull, you know, tends to do this in this scenario. I know nothing about antelope. We drive these roads and look and look and look, and it's like they're either there or they're not. It's like I don't know what. Uh, well, and then they're they're just as likely to be, you know, bedded down at six in the morning as they are to be up running, not right, not just up right. feeding and milling around in the trees or whatever. There's not many trees out here. They're just as likely to be on a dead sprint at twelve oh one in the afternoon as they are at six right, <laughs> in the right. morning. You know, I it surprised me. I mean, yesterday it got up, you know, mid uh, probably mid nineties. I think ninety two, ninety three yesterday. And at the heat of the day, we watched one of those bucks breeding a doe, and it's like it is ninety five degrees out. There's not a shade tree within a mile of you, and they're out there bumping uglies. How uh, how crucial were optics and good optics? It's a big deal. I mean, it's it's tough with the heat waves because you can't see through heat mirage. It's physics, but um, that's the whole name of the game. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta see them. You don't feel like you're looking that far away. That surprised me just because I'm so used to like hunting elevation and glass and mule deer, and so like they're on the same plane. Like they're not that much higher on the horizon but it's like the difference between 500 and 2,000 yards you know so it was weird because most of the time when I'm looking at a hillside I have a perspective of how big a deer should be on that hillside and with antelope it's just like one big long horizon kind of and you don't you know you could see them at 400 yards and see them really easily or 2,000 and they're not you know that far apart as far as your line of sight goes so yeah optics played a played a key role turning the truck off so the truck wasn't uh bumping your optics <laughs> you know and yeah um you just brought up the truck and i was just thinking about things that we've learned on this hunt and uh there was one one time in particular where we rolled up in the truck and we glassed and there was a pretty good goat and um they weren't really reacting to us being sitting there in the truck and you even got out on the opposite side of the antelope and were doing something, getting the camera ready, because I think it was a goat we were going to try and take. And I was sitting there in the passenger seat, and about the time you got your stuff ready, I opened the door and got out. The second I got out, it was the whole demeanor changed. They knew, yeah. and phew, they were gone. We're not very good truck hunters. We're not good. You know, we joke about purebred road hunters, but we've got a lot to learn. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, just just something to keep in mind. You know, I've heard of the whole, you know, let a guy out, you know, in a on the one side, opposite side, and keep kind of rolling down the hill, down the road. And, you know, I, I don't know what the trick is out here if, you know. They're on a different level than us. Yeah, those, those type of people have been doing it longer than us, but. Um, I don't know what else. What else uh, did you learn? More, all all joking aside, though, more hiking than you thought we would end up doing. Oh yeah, I didn't even throw the pack in the yeah. razor. Like, <laughs> yeah, how convenient! Yeah. How convenient! We get we get two miles uh, away from the literally two miles 
uh, away, you know, which is, I mean, my goodness, we consider that backcountry right. on like a deer right. hunt almost, right. you know, we're in the backcountry of antelope hunting. And I look back and Corey doesn't even have his pack. Like I'm packing his water <laughs> and I'm thinking like, oh, no big deal. Well, then we smoke an antelope down <laughs> and jokes on me. Cause I've got everything, you know, I got all the meat and everything and Corey's back there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, shoot. Forgot my pack back in the truck. So that's anything, another. Anything I can do to get out of the pack <laughs> in a critter. Yeah, right. That's that's not like you. But, um, yeah, so more, you know, it, it's funny because you will. You'll drive more than you've driven on any type of hunt ever. But then um, these antelope aren't stupid. You know, you could tell that they hang up in those. You know, if there's, you know, a, a road, and a dirt road, and then two miles and another dirt road. Um, you know, you can do circles around them all day and they're just going to kind of stay in that little pocket unless you go in there and push them. So, um, you still got to be ready to, to put some miles on at least in this unit. So, yeah, for sure. But yeah, you know, it, it was just fun. Um, I haven't hunted antelope myself since I was a kid, not a kid. I shouldn't say a kid. I was, I think my first year in college, maybe, um, Jason was here for that hunt and it was, it was an absolute debacle. Um, the hunt wasn't, you know, the hunt went very smooth just as you would expect. We, uh, we weren't trophy hunting just like, just like we weren't today. Um, you know, we tipped over a a goat that he definitely met the criteria of being horns longer than ears, but he didn't exceed it by two, by he's not an overachiever by any means. Legal buck. Legal buck. Anyway, um, God, that first hunt when I was a kid, I, um, you know how kids are stupid. <laughs> you know how like 19 year olds are just dumb. So I, I was 19 once and I was, I was like big into coyote hunting right at the time for like five years. That's all I cared about, um, doing. And I was horrible at it. I've still to this day, I don't call coyotes in, but I just, I wanted, um, so for Christmas one, one year about the time I graduated, I talked my dad into buying me uh, Remington. What is the Varmint uh, 700? VSF. VSF or whatever. Yeah. It, it was the big, it was a wood stock with a thumb hole grip with the flared out forend and then um, a bull barrel. You know, it was a bench rifle or whatever and in a 22-250. But I just knew, like, that was a coyote gun and I, that's what I wanted, which is a terrible coyote gun if you're doing any sort of hiking. Anyway, that's what I had. And I wasn't even coyote hunting, but you know how kids are stupid and you're just like, I just want to use my gun. Like, that's yep. what I want to use. So there I am out here. You know, this has been, um, geez, this is, you know, I'm 32 now and I was, you know, 19 or 18 or whatever. So it's been a few years and we're out, I think in this, maybe the same unit, I can't remember, you know, and there I am freehanding, offhanding shots with my 22-250 with a bull barrel you know, the gun itself was 10 pounds probably. And then, you know, add another pound or two of scope. I mean, it was just a mess, you know, and I, um, anyway, so finally got the goat on the ground. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I always hit him on the first shot somewhere. That's like my MO. Like I always hit him somewhere on the first shot. And then I always hit him on the last shot too. Right. Yep. It's just yep. what happens in between Who knows, you know, anyway, so that was my kind of memory as a kid of, uh, of antelope hunting. And it was a, it was a pretty lengthy shot back then. And, uh, the shot today was, we, we weren't sure cause we didn't get an official range, but he was, he was between, 
maybe three uh, seventy five and four hundred. Yep. Um, and it went it went a lot smoother today. One one shot, one kill. Um, couldn't have walked up and put that six five three hundred any better of a spot. Like just smoked him right through the shoulder. Yeah, I was watching through the spotter and it. Uh, you know, Dustin, I think had enough recoil and it was. He was on a hillside. We had bumped a much better goat out of that group um, up the ways, and he had popped out. And we we really had between all the other hunts and um, everything, and we both need to be back home tomorrow. Um, you know, we had today to get it done. And so this other goat came out. Um, I was watching through the spotter, and Dustin just center punched him. And he literally, he was dead before he hit the ground. And I think his back hit the ground. Like that 65300 pushed him over. And he, you know, he, he put it right through the boiler maker. And uh, first thing I saw were like feet up in the air. So <laughs> he kind of rolled over off the back of a hill and it like just tipped him over the hill. So it's always good to have him, have him just go down like that. He didn't kick, he didn't do anything. And it's good for the meat, I truly think. Too. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, you you couldn't have. Uh, they ran a little bit, but really uh, unmolested. I mean, they were just kind of walking at the time, and yeah. you know. Anyway, not a lot of. I thought that you were gonna have smoked those two front shoulders, but you were just far enough behind it. I mean, it was perfect. That didn't waste any meat. Put them right down. Yeah. Right. Just exactly what you hope for. Um, I'll be honest, it was a frustration buck. If anyone's ever hunted antelope before, even with the rifle, you know, I joked when I was coming out about I didn't care if rifle hunting uh, was cheating with antelope, and it's definitely not cheating, um, especially if you're after a decent buck. And, you know, it was it, it ended up being a what I would consider a frustration buck. Not that I'm, like, disappointed in what I shot, because that's not the case, but just it wasn't the one we were after. And, like, I probably, you know, if we were just sitting on the road watching him go by, I wouldn't have taken the shot. But things being as they were, we spotted him a mile and a half, you know, down in the flats. There were some scattered trees. We knew right where they had gone um, or where we had last seen them. It worked perfectly. But you know how mule deer, when they blow out of, like, a thick patch of trees, they usually give you that stop and look back shot opportunity at a, anywhere between 250 and 400 yards. Antelope don't do that, I found nope, out. No. Nope. Antelope don't do that. Well, we blew that buck out this morning in a completely different completely area. Completely different area. Yeah. Yep, we did. And Same so deal. That, yep, no, no shot. No shot. Like, walked up on him 100 and something yards at a water hole, knew they were in there, and walked, crept up over the ridge thinking that, I honestly was thinking, like, yeah, they're going to blow out, but I'm going to get a shot at, you know, 250 or whatever as he stops. They don't stop. So fast forward, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry for the wind. I don't, we probably should have done this in the cab of a truck, but you get what you get with a free podcast, you know. <laughs> Blame Nevada. Uh, yeah, you're welcome to, to uh, make donations to findingbackcountry at gmail.com so that we can haul our mobile uh, podcast studio around the back. And it'd be hot in a truck. We're in the shade right here. Yeah. It'd be brutal. Well, at least people could pay for uh, gas in the truck, you know, to run the truck for the AC, you know, right, so we're not right. sweating to death. Anyway, um, you know I love you guys. So, yeah, so find the same group of antelope clear across the uh, the flats later on. The plan worked perfect, meaning 
right where we kind of last thought that they were and were and that they would be milling around in these kind of just just scattered little patch of trees sure enough there they were um got within maybe 150 yards and they just heard us coming i think the wind because the wind was good and i don't think they saw us uh, they were buried in those trees and so they come blowing out of there run i mean they ran for another 500,000 yards or whatever down to where it was like okay like this isn't even worth because now we're getting another half mile further from the truck if we're gonna but they the the thing with antelope that gets you coming back for more is they stop you know a mule deer would have been gone and you never would see him again because they just like oh geez i got busted and like they would blow out of the whole country yep antelope once they get into that range you know 600 to a thousand yards or whatever and they're like nah we're good like they just back to feeding and i'm like frick like well they're right there we can't walk away from them even though we got to go another half mile to you know so there we go down through the trees and it didn't work on half of the um on half of the herd because they kind of you know, they, they saw us coming and were filing out through the trees and, and the buck that we were after, um, he wasn't a big buck, but he was kind of a funky, had one of those horns growing, uh, kind of sideways ski wampus things. Um, he took three or four does and took off. And I honestly, I didn't, I didn't realize these, these three were trailing behind. And so I was all set up to shoot the other one and he was gone. And then, whoop, here comes, you know, lo and behold, here comes these other ones. And so all things considered throughout the day, like, I was just like, you know what? If this sucker stops and steps broadside, you know, inside 400 yards here, like, I owe it to myself. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm laying the hammer down. Like, I got to see what this 65300 will do. And so, anyway, it was a little bit of a frustration buck, but, man, it felt good. Uh, it felt good coming out of Nevada chasing deer for eight or nine days with a bow you know, and then even just chasing these guys around for a day and a half with a rifle and not getting to even cock one in the chamber, like, man, that felt good. I feel so good today. So I I just liked looking at your face when you turned around to look at me. I'm looking in the spot or watching that thing tip over and you turn around and look at me like Buck just disappeared. Because he was just <laughs> yeah. gone. Like all of a sudden he was there, recoil, even with that muzzle break, it was like a little bit of recoil. And like once I got corrected back on him, He's just gone. And I'm like, I didn't see him running out the other side of the trees. And I'm like, I look back, like, Corey's like, you dropped him. I'm like, really? <laughs> Shut up. Hooves in the air? Really? <laughs> no, that's that's one thing uh, you asked me what I learned in antelope-wise. Like, we saw those, you know, we chased them around yesterday in pickups. And when I say chase, it's just that. We see them somewhere. We try to get within a 1,000 yards to hike into them. And then they're somewhere else by the time we get there and it's the same old song and dance and so we approached it differently this morning and actually got up on a ridge glassed some goats had it had a couple goats that were you know dead to rights inside 400 yards that we just we were looking for a better goat at that early in the morning and so we kind of applied that same strategy over on the other side and we glassed these goats up at like a mile and a half and like there's probably 10 goats in there and it was far enough away with the heat waves that you couldn't tell what they were and i'm not one to try to get out of hiking very often but when we were sitting in the razor looking at them and it's like well there's not a road close to them 
Yeah, I didn't. I thought it, and it wasn't because I was trying to be lazy. Because, like Dustin said, I didn't even have a pack. I just had to walk, <laughs> and it's relatively flat. And I, uh, it was just one of those things. It's like, no, dude. By the time we get down there, they're gonna be. It's gonna take us an hour to get a mile and a half, or half an hour to get a mile and a half, and then they're gonna be two and a half miles away. Well, um, I was wrong. We get down to them. We get within 150 yards, and it, you know, because of the terrain and the trees and different things, it was tough to know exactly where they were. It wasn't like we could just watch them that whole stock. So we get down to them, blow them out, blow them out to another thousand yards, and then Dustin's like, "All right, let's let's go over there." And I'm like, "Dude, we're never gonna get to them. You're crazy. You can't even see them anymore." So we hike over there, and then. You know, we, we kind of played that song and dance, but we got within, you know, four or 500 yards a few times doing that just Cat, by... Catting and mousing them. Yeah, and it, it, it turned out, you know, we almost had a good opportunity at the better buck, which is the one we were really chasing. And it would have, you know, had it been me, I would have been still bebopping around in the razor trying to figure out how to get closer. But, like, you know, we just, we ended up putting on you know, two and a half miles getting down to him and finally got a good shot opportunity. Um, and I wouldn't have expected as far away as we saw them like three different times. I was like, mm. yeah, because because like we were saying with mule deer, I mean, you, you can't just be walking at them in the open, so to speak. You right. know, it just doesn't work that way. And with antelope, like their, their um, bread and butter, like is is they know that they can outrun anything. And so at some point, if you've spent time around antelope, you'll not only walk up to them and they don't, they're not worried about you, but they'll come at you. Right. You know, guy, I'm, guys that hunt antelope will see that where they're curious or they're not sure what you are, or maybe they are and they just don't care, but they'll come at you. You know, they're closing the distance from 300 down to 150 just because they can and they know it doesn't matter. Yep. Like that 150, like I can still outrun anything, you right. know? And so it's just a different mindset that you have to get in of like, you know what? Eventually, if we just, I joked this morning, I, I, I said, Corey, I put my hiking socks on this morning. Like, we're just going to walk one down, you right. know? And it's kind right. of what we did today. <laughs> like we just found them and just kept walking at them until, you know, it's, it's really is a good lesson to learn if you've, you know, if you're just getting into antelope hunting, like, um, you know, we just walked at them until eventually that 350 yards or whatever is okay with them. And they, they knew we were there. I mean, they, they knew we were there the whole time, but they just know that yeah, 350, like, you know, what's he going to do to he us He looks from pretty there? slow. He yeah. looks like he had a yeah. Dr. Pepper before. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he's down 10 pounds from the Nevada backcountry, <laughs> but like he's still a solid 225. Like he ain't going to run us down, you know, <laughs> unless he catches one of these ponies and, you know, runs us down with a wild stallion. I can't believe how many, and I want to call them feral horses, not wild horses, feral horses. I can't believe how many are out here. It's you know, crazy. You can't until you come out and you see it. You can hear the podcast, you know, Renella talking about them and, watch the movie unbranded and hear or the Netflix unbranded and hear them talk about the numbers. But until you see it in a place like this in the central Nevada, um, it's just, it is overwhelming. It's crazy. How many feral wild feral horses there are just taking up space and demolishing, uh, you know, feed and they, 
whatever. I mean, it's not that they don't have any right to be here just as much as an antelope or a deer or whatever. Um, it's just the un- unregulation that's going to get us. Um, you know, it's either going to cost us millions and millions of more dollars than it is, or it's going to cost us antelope permits. It's going to cost us deer permits. You know, where, where do you think mule deer and elk winter in, you know, in the, in the winter time, like they're, they're down in these parts and all the feed's gone when they get here, because guess what? You know, we, we sit in one Valley here and you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of horses up and down this Valley. You know, we saw 10 horses for every one antelope we saw or, or more. And I, I am curious to see like how much competition there is for feed. Cause I assume it's high. I assume that, you know, Wa- the, the water too, right, you know, right. and not just, you know, you think like water out here in the summertime, but really like, you know, I, I wonder if it's not worse in the wintertime in places like this, because again, in the desert water in the wintertime is almost a bigger factor um, you know, because there might not be snow or whatever, even if there is, you know, especially as you get further South, yeah, yeah. um, you know, and those horses, I mean, geez, they're, they're out drinking. I mean, they'll drink 10 times what an antelope will drink. I guarantee it, you know, yep. And, and feed, um, you know, and you almost feel like though there's more feed than water in, in these type of parts where you run into these horses, um, Anyway, it just, again, not that I want every one of them dead or anything like that, um, but, you know. If it's they just pu- weren't here. If they just weren't here, that <laughs> yeah. would be neat. No, pu- push is just going to come to shove. Um, our, our hand will be forced one way or the other. Um, we're going to give something up. We're going to give up, uh, you know, a lot more of our tax dollars, uh, or we're going to give up our opportunities, uh, you know, to chase antelope and mule deer and whatever on on public land and you know and that's that that's the big question is for what um you know is is it worth it to just wild horses was going through my yeah garth brooks is running through my mind all feral horses feral horses keep imagine though if like somebody let go like 200 tigers over here (laughs) and like all of a sudden there's like a gazillion tigers everywhere. Like they wouldn't just accept that. Like yeah. look at what they're doing with hogs down in a Texas. A little bit different because you know there's multiple records of uh, horses being here. Not these horses though. Well, and that and that's that's you know that's what you get into with this discussion is, you know, these horses. Did they? You know, or they? I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to speak intelligently. Other than I know firsthand that I've seen it and it's a problem and something needs to be done. There just needs to be a balance like anything else. Like anything else. So. On that note, anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about maybe? Uh, hope we don't get any flat tires going home. This country, I'll tell you what, man. Every time I come into this country, you can expect a flat tire Uh multiple times now you come into this type of country you're gonna get a flat tire so i'm running on my spare luckily it's a full size spare uh for my big diesel or uh we'd really be hurting but yeah so hopefully we get home without any flat tires more flat tires any more flat tires yeah i drive a ford so i should be fine knock on wood yeah, because they're not heavy enough to, you know, right, they don't right. have enough to them to cause any right, flat right. tires or what. No, they're just, 
it's just a better truck, so you don't have to deal with all the <laughs> yeah. problems. <laughs> yeah. The quality of truck is why f- tires go flat. We yeah, all know that. Best in class. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I actually, I kind of, when that happened to your truck, I was, uh, kind of feeling like an idiot. I'm normally pretty good about checking, like, air in my tires and stuff, and I've been bebopping around all over the place for the last three weeks, and I haven't even looked at my spare tire and I normally that's I keep jumper cables and I don't have a air compressor in my truck and I kind of felt like a moron because it's like I'm supposed to be doing this for two more months or another month or whenever and I need something to be cognizant of yep got to be smart and got to be safe out there so as you're uh, heading into the hills hunts hunts for the most part are just kind of kicking off uh, especially out here in the west so good time to uh just do a one over on your truck and you know get it in get an oil change or whatever have them uh check not only check the you know tires uh, the four tires but your spare like you're saying and you know recheck because i know for me like i've got my big diesel but then i've got a little runaround truck and so like oh the jack got put into the you know if you don't have two then it's like oh it got moved from this truck to that truck and the tow straps in here and the jumper cables are in there and just a real good time of year to, uh, you know, to check all the equipment, not just your hunting equipment, but your, uh, you know, your vehicles and transportation and stuff like that. So this was a good warm up for that weather bee for the rifle. Uh, I'll tell you what, rifle man. Deer hunt in Utah. Uh, yeah, that sucker. I've, I think uh, Lucille and I just fell in love. Lucille is their name. Yeah, long range Lucille. Long range Lucille. <laughs> <laughs> you seen uh, Walking Dead? I think that's oh my gosh come on man no, I'm, that's I'm, what he uh so more of a Grey's anatomy fan oh geez i'm gonna throw up um how are we hunting buddies it's what my wife watches right now she's got full control of the tv while i'm home just cause, yeah sure yeah well because she's the man of the house now well just because yeah yeah she's the breadwinner um take care of the sponsors i shouldn't say that man of the house as if it's like you know, the person who's the breadwinner is the man of the house. You can't say that kind of stuff nowadays. Nope. So get you fired. You get you fired from my own podcast. It's free. I don't know what, anyway, still like to, uh, but yeah, Lucille, I, I think that's what, um, there's a, so there's a real bad dude on walking dead towards the la the, uh, last episodes. And he's got, a toy that he named Lu- I think it's Lucille. If I'm wrong, someone's gonna let me know. And it's a Louisville Slugger, wrapped, like hard wrapped on the barrel with barbed wire. Nice. Yep. Classy. It is nice. It is nice until um, he uses it in in some of the episodes, and then it gets pretty gruesome. So uh, Lucille does all of his dirty work. You have that. You have that thing turned up to 15 when you shot him. I did. Yep. Uh, it's a three, three to 15 loophole VX five HD. Yep. And I had her turned up, turned up to 15. Good on that weather. Beat. It looks so good. Like I gave my buddy Mark, uh, crap because he has a weather bee, uh, in the flat, dark earth. And then I think that's the one. And then he, he just slapped. So it's got like, it's got like the, uh, the weather bee, like, kind of greenish brownish like a tan stock terramark terramark that's what it is um in the flat dark with the flat dark earth uh barrel yep 
Um, and so it's all just kind of like browns and like earthies and stuff like that. And, and then he slaps a, he slaps a black, please, everyone out there. I want to hear, I want to know, can you take a gun that's got like a, a Cerakoted, um, you know, dirt earth color, like light brown and the stocks all light brown and the bolt and everything on it and then slap an all black loophole scope on the top. You can't, you can't do it. You got to match that stuff up. Man. I would, I, I will say this. <laughs> I will take the black on a flat dark earth gun over a mismatched flat dark earth. Cause not just anybody can go and like Cerakote that like the perfect color. And it drives me bonkers when guys put stainless steel scopes that are like a different finish of stainless steel because it's an aluminum scope. You want to know my answer? What's that? I just wouldn't buy the flat dark earth color. Like it sounds superficial. sharp though. It is. It is. Just looking at it, unless you had the, unless I had the scope that I could match up to it, I'm just weird like that. Like, I bet Leopold would do it for Mark. Yeah. Oh yeah. They have a custom shop that'll do it. And, you know, the irony of all this, I'm not the guy that cares about, like, yeah, I, I wear all first light, but it's not, I don't give a crap if it's matched. I'm not even in camo today. I have zero camouflage on me. And when I do, I don't care. Like, I'll wear my pants or solids and my tops or whatever, and I'll mi- miss and mismatch the two camo patterns that they have. I really don't care about that. But, like, something about the permanentness of just bolting the scope onto a rifle like you got to match that up somehow my wife my wife's got a uh kimber kimber and it's got the uh like a like a steel gray or a dark grayish stock and i did my best i took it to my cerakote buddy to have him uh oh it's get picking up it's picking up that monsoon season was over yeah we'll let this little uh anyway so i i went and had my wife's rifle she didn't even ask for it i just did it like just cerakote this the same color as the stock oh the the scope you did i scope yeah yeah that loophole uh unless i have a warranty problem and then i didn't (laughs) because i heard that they avoid the warranty if you cerakote it without them doing it so you match the stock on it i match the stock how's it look you, you know, I would say like if if 100 is is as perfect as you could get, it's like a 95. It's pretty good. It's good enough that like it's not like oh geez that's way off. It's like oh yeah like that's that's pretty much the same like, and that to me is better than anyway. Sure. Just a little like pet peeve. Sorry, Mark. I know you could outshoot me, and I know that it doesn't matter, and I know you're better, and I know. So. Okay, winds picking up. Any last words? Um. Wish me luck in elk season. Good luck right elk the season. Corner. Corey's going to uh, plan us to head back into Nevada and get revenge. Yeah. Fill that tag. Five days in Nevada, turn and burn a day in Utah, and then head to Idaho to shoot a couple elk. And then who who knows? We, we've got a couple things up our sleeves on the elk season here. We'll see uh, what, our, what ends up happening with our schedules, but may have some uh, one or two pretty cool hunt opportunities here in September, so. Just chugging along, uh, kind of the beginning of hunting season and starting to fill tags and uh, and fill Instagram content. <laughs> Got to refill, restock our uh, canteens for the year so we can make it through. You know, the, you know, you don't you you think taking pictures this time of year gets old. Um, 
you know, man, do we really have to snap? But like come March, April, May, June, like you'll be, you know, that canteen will be running pretty dry and you'll be wishing you had more content. Congrats on the goat too. Hey, thanks buddy. And if anybody's hiring, <laughs> I need a job. <laughs> Hit us up. Hit, Hit Carter me up. up. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.